But at this time, we are going to go into a time of the word. So I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 22. And we're going to be reading verses 6 through to 15. That's Acts chapter 22. And we're going to be reading verses 6 through to 15. And of course, as I always say every Sunday, unless otherwise stated, I am reading, teaching and preaching from the New King James Version of the Bible. The title of my message this morning is How to Know and Find God's Will for Your Life. And it's part of a short two-part series that we're going to be looking at this week and next week. And today's title is How to Know and Find God's Will for Your Life. So the series is entitled Why Am I Here? Looking at God's plan and purpose specifically for you. And the title of my message this morning is How to Know and Find God's Will for Your Life. Hopefully you have found Acts chapter 22 uh, by now and we're going to read from verse 6 onwards. And it reads as follows. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Verse 9, and those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. But they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? I've put that in bold. I've underlined it for a reason. What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus. And there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Verse 12. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth for you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. You know, speaking retrospectively, when we entered into lockdown, there were two schools of thought. One school of thought said that lockdown is an opportunity to rest. It's an opportunity to recuperate, spend time with family. The other school of thought for some was that lockdown was an opportunity to upskill. It was an opportunity to learn. It was an opportunity to grow and even maybe consider what one is going to do and what direction they're going to go in post lockdown. I hope either which way and either which school of thought you would lean to, whether it was rest and recuperation or whether it was upskilling and transitioning or even both, I hope and probably would say that I think it's fair that either which school of thought we fell into, we have all 
during this time had an opportunity to reflect. We've all had an opportunity to reflect on life as a whole. I am hoping that in addition to our individual reflection during this time, that we have considered and understood how important it is to be people who know what we are called to and who walk in God's will for our lives. I hope that this 2020 so far has reminded us that we do not have time to waste and it's important that we walk in purpose. In Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 17, the Apostle Paul in writing to the church in Ephesus says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The word redeeming there is taken from a Greek word called exagerazo. It means to buy up the lost time, to not waste time, to make haste, to hurry. And this is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. Do not waste time because the days are evil. Then he goes on to say, do not be unwise, but what? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Trust me, the way that time is flying by, we cannot afford to not be knowing what God has called us to do. We cannot afford to be walking aimlessly. We cannot afford to not be walking in the will of God for our specific individual lives that he has called us to. And when it comes to God's will for our lives, I realize that many people get anxious about what God has specifically called them to do. For others, they become so fixated that they actually end up living more perplexed than in or on purpose. However, there is a lot that we can learn from the life of Apostle Paul, who we just read about in Acts, in his transition from Saul to Paul, that we can apply to our lives when it comes to finding, knowing, and understanding God's will for our lives. In Acts chapter 22, verses 6 to 15, which we just read as our opening scripture, Paul tells us about his encounter with the Lord. We then see him ask the question we all ought to ask when it comes to seeking God's will for our lives. Lord, what do you want me to do? And in asking this question, it is Ananias, a devout man of God, who actually helps Paul unravel the will of God for his life. Paul's mission was to witness to men all he had heard and seen. And e.g., example... His mission was to share his testimony. That's what it was. It was to share his encounter with Jesus. It was to share his life story. That was his mission. And that's the key word I want you to hold on to because I'm going to refer to that a number of times today. Mission. Another word I want you to hold on to is the word theme because that was the theme for Paul's life. To share all he had heard and seen. Now, if you are taking notes, let me give you three steps you need to take in order to find God's specific will and calling for your individual life. Are you ready? Here's the first step that you need to take. Firstly, of course, you have to ask God. You have to ask God. Paul asked the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not what do my friends want me to do? He didn't ask his colleagues. He didn't ask 
those around him and he certainly did not ask his parents. And the reason why I highlight parents specifically is because if like me, you've grown up in a Nigerian home, you know that typically you have a choice of one of four occupations. You know them, let's say them together. Doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure, okay? It's one of those, okay? But Paul did not ask his friends, he did not ask his parents, he asked God, Lord, what do you, what do you want me to do? Now, you might think this is an easy thing to do, but the question is, are you willing to quit what you want to do for what he wants you to do? Which, by the way, ultimately will end up being the place of passion and purpose in your life. What he wants you to do is where you will find true passion and true fulfillment in life. But of course, if you're going to ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do? The second thing you need to do is that you need to discern his voice and leading in your life. Because when you ask God, he will respond. But you have to discern his voice and leading in your life. And that's my second point. You need to discern his voice and leading in your life. Now, Paul did not ask anybody else but the Lord what he should be doing. However, listen to this. It is Ananias that God uses to help Paul unwrap the will of God for his life. This is key to note because sometimes God will respond to you directly about what he wants you to do in your life. At other times, he might actually use people to speak to us and confirm those things that he has called us to do, just like he did with Ananias in the case of Paul. But I want you to note the pattern here. It is not that we go to people first, it is that we go to God first, who can then choose whether to speak to us directly or whether to choose to use other people to come and speak and confirm the will of God for our lives. Now, I do wanna say that if you are struggling to discern his voice and leading in your life, then it's very important that you take time to build intimacy with God. Intimacy with God should be your first focus. It should be your priority above anything and everything else. A lot of the questions that I realize that people are asking in life and wanting answers for, whether it's pertaining to marriage, whether it's pertaining to courtship, direction, purpose, or clarity and opportunities and the like, they become clearer when you learn to phase out the noise and discern his voice and leading in your life. Scripture in John chapter 10 verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Permit me to read it to you in the King James Version. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Permit me to read it to you in the New Revised Standard Version. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I think the message is quite clear here, irrespective of what version you are reading. I think the message is that we need to perceive his voice, pay attention and understand his voice in our lives. 
and in and above that, of course, we need to get understanding, okay? So firstly, you need to ask the Lord, what is it that you want me to do? Secondly, you need to discern his voice and leading in your life. And thirdly, you need to search for the theme that God puts on your heart. Now, notice something about Paul's story. Paul is called to share his testimony. Nowhere in scripture, nowhere in scripture do we see that the calling for the life of the Apostle Paul was to be a tent maker, even though he was a tent maker. And the reason being is that though he was a tent maker, that was his occupation, not his calling. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is to assume that their calling is an occupation. Your calling isn't an occupation. But hear this, you can live out your calling through an occupation. I'll give you another example that your calling isn't an occupation. If I were to ask you what was the will of God for the life of Jesus, you would not turn around to me and say the will of God for Jesus was to be a carpenter. You wouldn't say that. Why? Because carpentry was his specialism. That was his occupation. We know that Jesus was sent to this earth to die for each and every one of us, to die for humanity, that our sins may be forgiven and that we may be redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. So we know that carpentry was his occupation and not his calling. And I want you to understand that though the will of God for your life can be lived through an occupation, it isn't an occupation in and of itself. The will of God for your life is a theme. It's a theme that God impresses on your heart. For Paul, it was to share his testimony. For Jesus, it was to die for humanity. For Peter, in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17, and I want you to note this. Jesus says to Peter, three times he asked him, do you love me? And when Peter responds, this is what Jesus said. He says, feed my sheep. That's interesting. He did not say, become a pastor. He said, feed my sheep. Why is that important to know? Because in one season of his life, Peter is preaching to the thousands. In another season of his life, he is writing, hence the books, first and second Peter, if you believe they are attributed to him. Either which way, whether he is preaching or whether he is writing, he is feeding the sheep. He is not called to an office, even though Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He is not called to an occupation or a position. He is given a theme, feed my sheep. Whether that's writing, whether that's preaching, the theme, the calling is feed my sheep. What is the theme that God has put on your heart? Maybe the theme he's impressed on you is reach vulnerable women. Maybe the theme he has put on your heart is mentor young men. What is the theme that he has put on your heart? In order to know God's will for your life, you have to ask God, what is it that you want me to do? You have to discern his voice and leading and you need to look for the theme that he puts on your heart. Pastor K, I think I know what God's will for my life is. 
is what some of you might be thinking right now who are watching this morning. I'm just not sure how to live out that theme in my life. I'm just not sure how to manifest it in my day-to-day life. Well, you are in good company because the Apostle Paul, just like you, was told what the will of God for his life was, but he wasn't told how to live out the will of God for his life. And the reason why he wasn't told is the same reason why you haven't been told. And that's because how you live out God's will for your life is up to you. He has given you the theme, but how you live that out is mainly up to you. So you just need to remember that because the will of God can be lived through an occupation, though it isn't an occupation in and of itself, that when it comes to the will of God for your life, I want you to remember this. This is so key that the method is subject to change, but the mission stays the same. I'll say that again. The method is subject to change and evolving, but the mission stays the same. The mission, the calling, the theme stays the same. The mission, the calling, the theme for my life is to teach people the word of God. In one season of my life, that was through youth conferences, for a ministry called J4L, Jesus for Life. In another season of my life, it was running a fellowship literally over the road at Pembroke House, not far from here, called Focus. In another season, it was running conferences through KO Ministries, which became the Cornerstone Ministries, and we would do retreats and the like. And in this season, it's through pastoring here at the Cornerstone Church. But notice one thing, whether it was youth conferences, whether it was a fellowship, whether it was a retreat, or whether it's pastoring right here and now, Though the method has changed and evolved, the mission has always stayed the same. Teach people the word of God. This was the case for the Apostle Paul. In one season of his life, he is preaching in the temple and in the synagogues. In another season of his life, he is writing a huge portion of the New Testament, which, by the way, we should be grateful for. We should be grateful that Paul probably did more writing than he did teaching because by the looks of it, it didn't seem like Paul was that great of a teacher. The reason why I say that is because when you go and read Acts chapter 20, verse 9, we come across a man called Eutychus. The Bible tells us that Paul was preaching all day long that Eutychus, who was sitting on the, uh, what I would say is the windowsill or the equivalent, fell asleep, ended up falling out of the window and dying. Thankfully, Paul was able to raise him back to life. But I wonder if that was a reflection of just how long Paul would preach or his teaching style. So maybe we should be grateful that he did more writing that we could read to and refer to in the word of God today than he did preaching. But guess what? Whether the apostle Paul was preaching, whether he was mentoring the likes of Timothy and the like, or even writing to the church in Corinth, for example, If you look at Paul's work, you'll hear him say things like, I am a chief sinner. Why? He would do that to lay the ground for his testimony. He would do that to lay the ground for sharing his story, which he was called to do. What am I saying? Whether he was preaching, whether he was mentoring, or whether he was teaching, the method changed, but the mission, the theme, the calling stayed the same. Now, though the method may change, 
the mission doesn't. And when you understand this, then you can go on from this to pursue true fulfillment in life. And true fulfillment, hear me, ladies and gentlemen, is when you are able to merge your calling with your occupation. When you are able to merge your calling with your occupation. So for the person who the theme on their heart is to mentor a generation, but perhaps they work in the computing industry or in IT to pay the bills, they may do that to pay the bills and to cover expenses and the like, and then mentor on the side because that's their passion. True fulfillment comes when they can find a job or an occupation or a role in mentoring that allows them to live out their calling within their occupation on a full-time basis. True fulfillment comes when that person is able to merge their calling with their occupation. It's when they're able to say, hey, this is my occupation, but I'm building on my calling on the side, hoping that one day I will be able to merge the two. It's when the pastor who is called to pastor a church, but has a day job, or rather who's called to teach people the word of God through pastoring in this season of his life, has a day job, but he's able to move from that into pastoring and full-time ministry, that true fulfillment has come because he's able to merge his calling with his occupation. Please, please, please understand that true fulfillment equals you get into that place where you might get tired from a thing, but you do not get tired of it because you are merging your passion with your occupation. Yes, you'll get tired from it, but you will not get tired of it. And finally, before I close this morning, this is what I want to say to you. Please do not let your current method throw you off your mission. What do I mean by that? Someone who is called to help people, that's the theme, that's the calling on their life, might be working as a therapist. But they might not enjoy working specifically as a therapist. So what they can do if they're not careful is leave their job as a therapist thinking that they're not called to help people because of their experiences as a therapist rather than actually find a method that is more suitable and accommodating to how they want to live out the calling of God in their life, whether that's through Uh, medicine, whether that's through mentoring or helping someone in another way. That's just an example. But please do not abandon the mission just because the current method in which it's being lived out at the moment is not suitable. Look to how you can adjust the method where possible so that it allows you to live out that mission more successfully and in a profitable way. Next week, we will talk a little bit more about some of the barriers that actually stop us from walking in God's will for our lives. Because there are some people who feel like they don't know or they feel like they just don't know how and when they're going to start living out that purpose. The chances are they know and the chances are they could live that out from tomorrow. But there are some barriers in the way that have been designed to stop them from walking in purpose. And next week we will talk about that some more but ultimately I want to leave you with Proverbs chapter 16 verse 3 which says commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established 
in Jesus' name. Let's pray, church. Would you take a moment right now and just say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What are the plans and purposes that you have specifically for my life? I want to be able to discern and hear your voice to know that which you have called me to do. I don't want to be distracted by everything that's going on around me, but I want to focus on you and be led by you. I don't want to waste time. I want to maximize each day. The psalmist said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may fulfill the plans and purposes you have for me. Show me that theme that you've placed on my heart that I may walk according to the plans and purposes that you have for my life. In Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed at this moment, I'd like us all to go through this prayer together as a church and for those of you that are watching this morning. Would you just say after me, Father Lord, I come before you right now acknowledging that I am a sinner or that I have backslidden. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ your one and only begotten Son to this earth to die for my sins that I may have life eternally and abundantly with you. And so right now, I confess this with my mouth and I believe this in my heart and I ask that your Holy Spirit come into my life, fill me afresh and fill me anew. In Jesus' name. If you sincerely meant that prayer, if you're someone who understands that John 10, 27 says, my sheep know my voice, but you've not been able to hear his voice and direction in your life because your relationship with God is not where it should be or how it should be. If you sincerely meant that prayer and you want to rededicate your life or begin a new journey in Christ, then I want you to send us a message on the church website and someone will reach out to you personally. You can also send us a message across our social media platforms in our DMs, T Cornerstone C, and we will have someone reach out to you to pray with you, encourage you, and help you along this journey. I would encourage you, please, 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 don't let the enemy steal what you have received in this moment. Tap in to what God wants to do in your life so that you can hear his voice and walk in purpose. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.